Hey, hey, greetings fellow slingers. It's your trusted handler, Brian, welcoming you back to the Digital Rage Room. Episode 5 of our Delta Green Homebrew scenario under a pale moon. You know, as always, before we begin, I always kind of like to do a little rambling in the intro. You know me, you've listened to enough of my episodes, enough of the show to know that, hey, you just can't get this guy to shut up. Well, one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about at the beginning of this episode, partially because it ran a little short, unfortunately, that's my fault, but I had to leave it on a cliffhanger. You'll, you'll check it out when you get to the end and you'll know what I'm talking about. But what I wanted to kind of talk about was when I when I put together my Delta Green homebrew scenarios, kind of like what I do. If this doesn't interest you, just go ahead and skip ahead. It's just going to be a few minutes. Just enjoy it or, or go past it, whatever you like to do. But when I'm putting these things together, one of the things that I that really interests me as a handler or even a, a listener or a player is I like to deal with isolated locations. To me, that I think that that really raises the tension of the scenario when you can't have an agent or or friendlies or anybody else just immediately leave the scene. You know, oh shit's getting too deep. Let's just let's just get out of here and head back to Quantico or back home or wherever else that they came from because. They need it to heal up or whatever. It, it, I always liked it when things are going so sideways or they start to encounter whatever unnatural or demonic entity that they, they come across or cultists or whatnot, and they have they have to deal with it. Uh, if you've listened to Deep Waters, you know I kept it on that freighter out there in the middle of the Alaskan Sea. Even if the guys wanted to leave, they were going nowhere. As far as this scenario under a pale moon they're up there at this ranger station in the wasatch mountains in the middle of this very aggressive weather where they're starting to close down the roads going up and down the mountains and you kind of get that feeling that they can't just get down off the mountain that they whatever they're dealing with up there they've got to stay up there and and figure it out and that kind of raises the level of tension uh what i tried to do with gaslight was use New Orleans as that isolated location. I think uh, maybe I went a little bit too big on that. I don't know. I think it turned out well enough. I would prefer to have had my agents stay on track. Uh, I think that because as a, as a type of handler that I am, that I just don't like to say no to my players. I kind of gave them a little bit of rope and I almost ended up hanging myself with it till we were able to take that rope and reel them back into what they were doing there in the city. If you haven't listened to those uh, seasons. Go on, head back, check those out, come back to this intro when you're done. Yeah, I'll still be here. I think the, the seasons only went like uh, four to seven episodes, depending on which one you listen to. Another thing I like to do is try to figure out who my nemesis in the story is going to be. Because it, it to me, and I see this in a lot of published adventures also, and so I try to formulate my homebrew scenarios to kind of replicate this, this outline is as you start getting closer to the end of the scenario, you start coming across whatever it is that's doing all the damage that actually got your Delta Green agents there to begin with. And you know that once you start going down that steep, steep roller coaster hill where the inertia of the cart and all of its passengers on board are just going to start hauling ass right down that hill, there's no stopping until you get to the end. And there's either going to be a nice soft landing or you're going to go right into the wall. So that's what I, I try to make sure is that I always kind of give them an out, let them do what they want to do in this isolated location. But above all, keep that tension high and keep them 
in a nice isolated location. I hope this didn't bore you guys. It was just something that I was kind of thinking about. I was like, you know, this would kind of sound cool, so I'm going to plug it in at the beginning. Remember, if you like what you're listening to, please leave us that five-star rating and review on whatever podcast app you listen to the show on. We're on all the major and minor ones out there. Don't forget, like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're out there. We've got our YouTube channel at Roll the Hard 20. Click that little subscribe bell so you hear when we drop one every week because we're we're pretty regular so we're always dropping uh and i think the only thing left to do is uh let's warm up our dice and top off our glasses roll the hard 20 podcast presents under a pale moon episode five writer that um i made a court appearance as agent Polly adesso because i forgot to change my name <laughs> on my zoom call done that and a i'm few sitting times. there and i'm talking to the court and then i'm looking at it going oh my god <laughs> i didn't change my name back oh i got something to tell you too about something you said last time but that's uh-huh. funny me uh, or who there's three uh, of us Polly adesso <laughs> so you remember you said to the cop you were like between the two parties in this conversation only one of us has had the legal training to do this So I I was work, I was at work and a lady was asking me what she needed to put into a court order. And uh, I was like, ma'am, you're the lawyer here of the two people on this conversation. (laughs) You would know more about that than me. (laughs) But I was like channeling you. I loved it. (laughs) What do you do for a living? Um, So I work for a big financial company and I handle all their escalations. So anything that comes in um, with special requests and somebody's like, hey, I got this court order where, you know, I got to get my old lady off this account pursuant to this court order i'll send that over to legal and uh write everything up and then they'll you know make their judgment if they need anything else i'll communicate it to the customer um that kind of stuff and then anything else like leave uh fee waivers stuff like that i'll go to our board of directors and i get them to sign off on all that stuff too gotcha all right sounds good it's not all just dick and fun kind of project so you're a quasi paralegal without being a paralegal (laughs) Yeah, basically. And I mean, I deal with guardianships, power of attorneys, um, trust funds, uh, business accounts, um, all kinds of stuff, fraud. I'd handle all the subpoenas for them. I handle all their better business bureau complaints. So there's an aspect of like public relations that I do. Um, it's, it's something different every single day. I'll tell you that much. Cool. Well, that sounds, well, state <laughs> yeah i was I gonna mean, say it know. sounds fun but then i realized my job is like no i hate my job <laughs> it doesn't You're... sound fun but it, well, it, that's one thing about the law it's there's never a dull moment sure one of the things sam and i were talking about the other night was uh how whenever agent adesso starts getting into it with all the uh the official npcs it's not really agent adesso it, it, it's agent tone that comes out <laughs> And of course, it's not just Sheriff NPC, it's NPC Brian. <laughs> so, so you get like the, the Brian and Tony show going on. And it's kind of funny because we've seen it in the uh, A Victim of the Art when you when you start exercising your beliefs of uh, your your legalities. And then the, the officer's like, wait a second. No, you now don't, it, agent. You know. <laughs> no, it's now look. That's now how look. you know when when you know handler Brian jumps into the role of the NPC and <laughs> takes over his spirit. 
He's always like, you guys got to keep moving. He's like trying to get the, the discussion to an end as quick as possible. You guys, you guys go. we have badges that look real because they were real. They were issued by the federal government. I mean, they they withstand any level of scrutiny. It, and, it's probably that they were designed by the people that designed them for the government. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So it's like you flash that badge 90 percent of the time. That'll get you anything you want, especially from other authority figures. Feds decide to exercise jurisdiction. There's nothing they can do about it. I mean, most agencies, you know, if they're big agencies like L.A. or Seattle or some of the bigger cities, you know, New York and such, they'll get resentful about it. It's like, piss off. We can do a better job. But smaller agencies, you know, like like Winslow Police. Oh, the feds are involved? Great. Excellent. You guys pay for this investigation. You go to the labs. We don't got nothing to do with it. We can tell our people, yep, feds got it. Not our problem anymore. Well, let me lead us in and then uh, we'll break it down. Greetings, fellow slingers. Welcome back to World of Hard 20 podcast. It is I, your trusted handler, Brian, and with me, my hard slingers. Greetings. Here we are back in the digital rage room. We got the full moon high above. The weather's starting to take a turn for the worse. So let's pick up episode five of our under a pale moon scenario. You know, uh, what was I going to say? going to say something i don't remember what it was. oh so as we start thinking about all the the events that have led us up to episode five basically you guys were individually contacted actually um paulie you and ichimaru you guys were together when you were contacted by heisenberg and ramirez you were on your boat and eventually brought you guys up the mountain under the pretense of being fbi profilers who were wanted uh requisitioned by a few agents that were in the wasatch mountains that had a few dead bodies that they believed were the result of a serial killer it was well outside of the agents training and so they requested profilers from quantico delta green intercepted that call and you guys were dispatched you guys made it up to the ranger station at night by the way i'm sure somebody's gonna pick it up but it's not 5 30 when you got there it was actually 6 30 because you landed at 5 30 it took you an hour to get up so it's like 6 6 37 somewhere in that area moon already creeping on up there cold as hell i think i said it was like 38 degrees the two forest rangers you had a young 23 year old named ranger belvin and an older late 50s ranger of native american descent ranger muha they said that they had captured a suspect at the last crime scene the third crime scene and during the apprehension ranger muha shot him up but in the process had to leave agent kramer who was the other agent's partner in the wilderness because they got separated they couldn't find each other the whole thing you guys find out that this uh that this suspect this thomas malcolmore He's got fingerprints that date back at least almost 30 years, but yet the guy looks like he's in his early 30s. He looks like he's been living in the wilderness, long scraggly hair. He's obviously dry blood all over him. Uh, you guys did a little bit of inquisitioning. And then at one point, Agent Makamura, who was Agent Kramer's partner and, and still in the station, decided that he and Ichimaru were going to go out looking for Agent Kramer before the weather gets so bad that Kramer ends up dying of exposure. So he's really concerned about that. So 
Before we begin, I want to go over a few things, most notably this system. This is important. And this system, outside of the fortuitous luck roll, there is no rule of cool. And I, I actually think that this particular house rule would break this system because it's a one action economy. So like if you if people want to do something in addition to their one action, then that's technically two actions. So when we think of this, we got to remember that the future in Delta Green, we can't ignore because the future itself is a bleak one. It's basically like an ice cap breaking off Antarctica. It's it's you can't put it back on. It's just going to keep breaking and breaking and breaking. It's just how much of it breaks off and how fast and where it goes from there. And so we want to make sure that we remember how bleak it is and the reason why the agents are doing what they're doing. They're trying to slow it down and if possible, maybe make it stop for a while. But that's that's the stark reality of this system. And everything that you agents have seen reflects why you're part of the agency now. So any questions? No, we just, just prepped in that, so in case we die tonight. <laughs> I am. Sorry. I just erased fun from my notes. It's okay. Oh well, you don't have to erase it. Just change change it from all caps. Okay. Kind of kind of lower it down to lower caps. Change the font a little too. Uh, Put a couple dots after it. It's an aerial, <laughs> and I I took the italics off, so it's a little bit less fun. Well, thank yeah, God you guys all have gold doubloons. So. Ichimaru, after apprising Agent Makamura in regards to Rebecca Thornhill's kindness, the two of you left the ranger station and mounted the remaining snowmobile, heading out to the third crime scene to locate Agent Kramer, who had been left behind by Ranger Muha as he brought the wounded suspect back to the station. By the light of the headlamp, you both head in a northwest direction towards that last crime scene. And even by the light under a pale moon, snow flurries continued to obscure your vision. The cold is biting at your cheeks, even though you're wearing cold weather gear, you, you can't help but feel it eking in, just trying to find any purchase to just sink you down. And you know how it is when you get out in the cold, you just, you start aching, you start getting tired, your, your body just doesn't want to do anything, but almost want to lay down at some point. And so you're holding on tight each riding bitch on this snowmobile. And you guys are going for about three and a half miles. And miraculously, by way of the compass, Agent Makamura brings you towards a clearing. It's not a large clearing, but you notice an orange tent upright. He brings a snowmobile to a, a full stop, probably about 15 yards away from it. It's idling, and he just reaches down, and he turns the key off. I think we are here. Here's so. This is the last place you saw your friend? I was Kramer? never out here. Oh. But That's according right. to what Ranger Belvin said, in regards to the map and the location, this, this is the place. This was the last place he was seen, I should say. With Ranger Muha. Yeah. This, this was the last place where they found 
Macklemore. Okay, does this uh, snowmobile have any kind of a horn on it? Huh? Nani? <laughs> you want to go horn? Horn. I know. You want to use the horn? Out well, here? if your agent is wandering out here, freezing out oh. of his mind, maybe uh, the horn might help him. Ah. Uh, per roll a persuasion check on that. Okay. And persuasion, is that here? Okay, persuade. I have 53. We got 23. Okay. Me. You know, this is sour, sad puss of a Japanese-made horn. And it echoes off the trees, through the mountains. I mean, it seems like it goes on forever. And then just dies. You still see that even though the the snowmobile's turned off, the light is still on, the headlamp. Then you could see the flurries just... Do you think we should turn the vehicle off? to conserve the battery, or are we worried that it may not start up again? Well, the, the vehicle is is turned off. Oh, it's okay. just the headlight that's on. Well, well that, okay. Yeah. Let me so it's running that. off battery. Okay. Maybe we should turn the headlight off, Makamoto. We don't want to lose the battery. We could oh. be here for hours. He turns off the light. You see that it gets dark, and after a while, after a few moments, your eyes begin to adjust and you could start to pick out the trees, the trunks, the tent, little things as your eyes become adjusted to the low illumination of the full moon above you. I think I mentioned last episode that the moon is just, it's huge this high up on the mountain. Is the, uh, this was the site, the last site of the victim, the last victim, correct? Yes, this, this was the last site. Are you asking me or, or I was yeah. asking you, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, this is the last site. Okay. Oh, yes, this is the last site. <laughs> well, perhaps the inside the tent, maybe our victim had some things like that we could use, like flashlights or something like that. Oh, good idea. -ish. So he begins to make his way towards the tent. Puts his hand on his on his weapon, grabs the flap, looks at you, pulls the flap back, and we see Agent Odesso and Agent Ramirez walking in the ranger station. Agent Odesso, what is it that you wanted to do? Want to get the background report that Ranger Belvin ran on Macklemore? I'd like to actually read it myself to see what's there. Okay. And Agent Ramirez, you had stealthily sniped a bottle of Woodford yes, from a sir. cupboard. And you were going to take that as well as a couple of cups to Macklemore. And some food. He had made some sandwiches and stuff. Maybe That's some right. bottled water. Okay. Can, so is yeah. that so you guys are going to separate out and go do that then? Ramirez okay. is like, I, I got this. I can hand the guy some food. Don't worry about me. Yeah. Okay. He's like, I, I, I'm going to take a little look around outside if that's okay. You good with leaving him in the cell like that? Yeah, I think we should be okay. I want to find out from Belvin what they actually found in his background. I want to see how far it went or if it was a local search or if they went all in 50 states. Okay. 
So one, two, three for Adesso, four, five, six for Ramirez. Ramirez, let's follow you. Ramirez ends as he's leaving. He's like, do me a favor. See if you can find out when Thornhill's actually going to be here. If she gave us a time. Yep. I'm going to look into that too. All right. So Ramirez is like, thank you. And uh, he'll head down south in that hallway and to where the prisoners being kept. Walking okay. with the trays in his hands and everything. I'm going to assume that you don't have a tray. Or did okay. you have? Oh, you did have a tray. You you made a tray last time. All right, don't worry about that. Okay. And he kind of like put the, the wood for it up underneath the tray so that he's got it, you know, snaked. That's right. That's how you got it across. Okay, so you stand before the door. And I think he's just weirdly using his foot, you know, because he's got the two hands. So he's trying to like kick it open or whatever. And uh, he manages to open it up and slide his way in without, you know, dumping the mustard all over. Okay. You step inside. You let the door close or yep. lead me through everything you're doing. All right. So he walks in and um, does he see the prisoner in the cell? He does. He's laying on the cot once again, facing the wall. All right, oh, so in he, the northern cell. By the way, there's a desk in this room that did not get penned in on the okay. uh, on the map. It's figure it's midpoint on the eastern wall, perpendicular right. to it. Is there a chair? There is. All right, so I think Ramirez walks over to the desk, and if the guy looks like he's sleeping, he's going to kind of put the food down with like a. So he drops the tray just a little enough to kind of get the guy's attention. And uh, he's like, hey, man, hey, buddy, uh, chow's on. Oh, I see somebody finally decided to bring me something to eat. What the hell kind of savages are you? Well, let me better ask what And as he turns over, he sees it's you. He's like, no. Well, agent, you're all by yourself. Yeah, man, how you doing? I know they uh, you didn't really roll out the welcome wagon around here. No, they didn't. They kind of treated me like dog shit. And as he's talking, he walks over with the um, with the food, and he puts it on the ground, and then he walks away from it. So he puts it close to the bars. What um, did you put on the ground? It's just a plate, and it's got like a sandwich and maybe some chips or something. Take he a reaches mm -hmm. through one hand, grabs the sandwich and the chips with with one hand. The other hand, he grabs the plate and turns it vertically and pulls all of them through the bars. And then puts the plate horizontal and puts the food on it. So now he has the plate with the food on it. And he starts eating the sandwich. Now, Ramirez takes a couple bottles of water. You don't know water. what this means to me, Agent. It's uh, just what I needed. <laughs> I know how it is, man. I know how it is. Um, and he walks over and he puts a couple bottles of water over there. And uh, lets a guy eat. <laughs> you don't have anything stronger than the water on you? And he's like... So Ramirez kind of cocks his head. He's like, give me just a minute. And, yeah, uh, looking at you, you're just, a, mm -hmm. you're just like one step you. removed from me. Wild looking motherfucker, ain't you? Yeah. He's like, you never would believe what I put in that sandwich. And uh, he looks at the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I like this. You found so some horseradish in there, didn't you? Ramirez hits him with like, like four fingers of whiskey. And he's like, now listen. Be cool, man. You seem like the kind of guy that could be cool. You the kind of guy that could be cool? <laughs> I'm cool all day long, man. All right, man. And Middle like, summer, I'm the coolest motherfucker on the block. You, he's like, I think we understand each other, and he leaves the whiskey. He sets it just, just the same right in front of it to where the guy can't grab him. 
And uh, he's like, can you believe the Astros in 22, man? Who do you pull for? He reaches through the bar and he grabs the glass and he, he tries to pull it through. Mm-hmm. And it clanks against the bar. Mm-hmm. It's the bars are too close together to get the, the glass through. He's like, oh, I ain't going to be able to get this through. I'm going to need some, put it in something else or, or pour it in my mouth or something. Just pour out one of those wa- bottles of water, man. Throw the bottle of water over there. I'll get it. Shit, that's a fucking waste. Well, what do you want more, the water or the whiskey, man? Be cool. I thought we were being cool. He takes the bottle, squeezes it all out, and sticks it back through the, through the bar and fills it up. And he's like, here, take this. And he kind of tosses the glass towards you. Why don't you make a dex check to catch it? I definitely don't catch it. 73 over 50. So So it shatters against the wall. Mm -hmm. Pieces all over the floor. And he's all. So what you want to talk about, agent? He's like, honestly, I don't want to talk about anything, man. I just want to get you some food. Seems like you could use some uh, human treatment. We're not all assholes here. No, it doesn't look like you're all assholes. In fact, it looks like some of you might be good folk. I'm really happy to know that you're you're up here with the rest of me. Us. Everybody up here. Because we really need you up here. It's like, how you, uh, how's your stomach? They shot you, right? You okay? I think it was just a graze wound. I it, I might have I might have probably passed out from seeing all that blood. I don't know. I, you know, part of me, honestly, I don't even think all this blood was my blood. You need some kind of first aid treatment? I'm sure I could dig something up, man. Who else well, is bleeding? I don't know. Whoever killed that motherfucker back at the other the other the campsite. Mm-hmm. As you're talking to him, you hear a soft knock at the door. Right. Ramirez is like takes the whiskey and sets it down to the corner of the desk, kind of like to the north side. So if you look in, you're not going to see it directly sitting there and he'll walk, you know, over to the door. What's up? Before you even get to the door, the door opens up and you see Ranger Muha mm-hmm. poke his head in. He's what? Uh, you have you OK in here, agent? Yeah, it's good. Just bringing the prisoner some food. Still got to treat him like people, right? That's correct. I didn't see your partner around. Um, I did need to show you something, though. He's like, well, he was looking for you. Uh, right. Not that I'm aware of. And uh, he turns right around to Macklemore. He's like, hey, be, be cool, man. Yeah, I'm going to be here for a little while, I think. All right. Um, there's something I need to show you because uh, I don't think that one FBI agent, Makamura. I don't think he is on the level. Mm-hmm. I think that he might not be who we think he is. What makes you say? Let's. And he's like, let's let's discuss this outside. Ramirez will walk him out of the room, and he starts leading you up the okay. northern corridor. Agent Adesso, you leave the kitchen nook. You're on the prowl looking for Ranger Belvin. You got some questions you want to ask him. You watched Muha leave the dining room and actually head down the western corridor and then south. You know that he's probably going to go check on the 
on the prisoner. After a few moments, you hear through one of the doorways some shuffling coming from the reception room. Odessa will approach the doorway going to the reception area and open the door and walk in. As you walk in, you see Ranger Belvin. He's got one of the remotes in his hands and he's he's trying to mess with the TVs. He's trying to get them to basically to respond because they've just been nothing but static the whole time. And he's like, I just don't get it. it you know, I, I we've been in harder weather than this. And it's almost like he's talking to himself. And he turns slightly. He sees you there. He's like, I'm sorry, agent. Sometimes I have a bad habit of talking to myself. Uh, you know, I just don't understand. We've been in worse weather. I don't understand why we can't get satellite reception here. Yeah, it is unusual. You ever had that problem before? No, it, it's pretty rare. I mean, maybe once every few months, maybe. Hmm. Is it on a regular basis? You know, I really haven't even thought about it. Maybe like once or twice every three months, maybe. That's really weird. I just assumed it had something to do with constellations, maybe. I don't know. Sun, sun flares, solar flares. I don't know. I really don't know. Look, man, I'm just... <laughs> this isn't what I do. I, I, I go out there and I catalog the different wilderness. I, you know, I, I take inventory of squirrel heads and lost items from... You don't need to know that. What can I do for you, Agent? Talk to me, please. What I'd like to see is the background check that you ran on Macklemore. I'm curious as to how far it was. Did you do just a local search in the state, or did you do a 50-state search, or county by county? If you could give it to me, I'd like to take a look at it. Sure. I mean, before the before the weather turned too bad, what I did is I, I basically fingerprinted him on this stock card material that we have, you know, with the, the 10 digits, and faxed it down the mountain and then a little while later i got a basically like a, a copy of a copy i mean it, it, if you see this you'll see what i'm talking about this right. thing must date back to like the 80s or something hmm. and that's basically what i what i was looking at but sure you're you're more than welcome to take a look at it and he starts rummaging through the desk drawer behind the counter and he pulls out this piece of paper and it's just like he said it's a regular eight by ten but the it's a photocopy of a photocopy that's not even completely centered on it. There's a picture of a man's face. It looks like it's been heavily contrasted through the the different procedures of it. But he hands it to you and says, well, this is what they gave us. All right. Does it have any um, metadata on it as into where it was faxed to, where it was faxed from, and more importantly, the source documents that it's actually showing me? It looks like it was faxed out of Chester, Ohio, mm -hmm. back okay. from 1986. Is it a copy of a driver's license or what kind of photograph? Is it, it is a copy of a driver's license uh -huh. and it says the name Thomas L. McElmore on it. It says it was issued in 1982. It has the man's birth date at 1949. And judging from the black and white contrast picture, it could be him, possibly. Even the finger swirls look off. His last known residence was at 1812 Livermore Street. What's the issuing state? Ohio. So it's a local license. 
Does it look to be a forgery or it looks to be an authentic license? Well, the best he could tell from that era being since it's 2023 and that's a 40 year old license. Yeah, it's it's really, really old. It's I think it's even before they incorporated seals back then. Right. And that's the best they come up with. Did they come up with any criminal record for him or is it just they found his name matched it to the prince? Because if they found prince, they would have had to attach it to a criminal record of some kind. Well, the, the thing is, there was an addendum here and, and he shows it to you. It basically it says that this individual, Thomas L. McElmore, had gone missing 27 years ago. Is there any criminal history in anything, or do they just send over a, pat, a picture of his driver's license and that addendum? No, I, I get the feeling that they didn't keep a big surplus of, of information dating that far back. Mm -hmm. I think that once he turned up missing and nobody had seen him for a great while, I mean, this is all speculation, Agent, but I'm, I'm, I'm theorizing that it probably went cold case. He probably went as a missing person, and... Whether or not the feds picked it up and, and ran with it, that would be more on your end, Agent. No, I get that. What's well, just curiosity for me is unless there's a criminal record, there wouldn't be fingerprints. And unless some of the odd things these law enforcement, not even military keeps uh, fingerprints, but law enforcement does. So it's just unusual, especially going back that far, that they come up with this driver's license and anything else. I mean, if we had more time and more resources, I'd like to cross-reference this name with something in the obituaries um, or at least some other kind of database, and maybe I'll get uh, someone back at our shop to take a look at it. Oh, by the way, didn't you say that there was a Rebecca Thornhill on her way up? That's correct, yeah. Did you tell? Did she tell you what her ETA was? Said by, by morning, I believe. By morning, okay. I'd have to, to check with episode four, but I'm pretty sure it was by the morning <laughs> all right that sounds reasonable okay um anything you did you take anything off macklemore when he was arrested anything at all like taking take shit off of him what do you mean well we obviously you searched him for weapons and drugs oh yeah yeah i mean all we we just made sure he didn't have any knives or anything else on him. he didn't have any anything else really but that that tank top and those jeans which was that was how he was brought in with by ranger muha all right so that's why you brought in by ranger muha but and you didn't see a belt or shoes or a wallet or cash pocket knife a ring a necklace anything no no in fact um muha brought him in right away we've he even walked him through the fire door straight into the holding cell and he points to the to the southwest corner where the fire door is at and he's all he he put him right in the in the holding cell and and told me to get a first aid kit and so by the time i got down there uh, this was the condition that he was in and i, I started you know trying to treat him as best i could mm -hmm. i had assumed it, whatever you're looking for that possibly ranger muha took it from i i don't know well he's up there he's walking and talking like nothing happened what kind of wounds did you see when you initially treated him well from what Ranger Muha said, I, I thought he hit him center mass a couple times, but by the time I, I actually started treating him, they looked more like graze wounds to me. I mean, it's possible that the guy just got scared. I, I thought maybe he was faking it. I don't know. Maybe he was. Well, how many times did you say he was hit? Three times. And how many wounds did you see? Three. And where were they? Uh, Like a... Uh, 
one on the, the right side, one in the lower right hip, and then one in the one graze across the right pec. So grazing wounds, and he was loose. Well, I'm assuming they're grazing because they did certainly didn't look life threatening. I mean, I, I realized that you first thing you wanted to say when you first got here was, why haven't we taken this man down for medical treatment? And and we would have taken him down in the morning, which we still intend to do. But honestly, I didn't think his wounds were that life threatening. Okay, had a lot of blood, but I mean that could have been from his his victims. You know, if somebody goes and kills three people. You're going to get a lot of blood. You're going to rip open somebody's chest. You're going to cut somebody's throat. Yeah, but he would have been saturated in blood from forehead to, to toes. And you, the tank top that he's wearing, it's only got blood where those in, those gunshot injuries are. I'm not a physicist. I, I don't know these things. You're a forensic scientist? <laughs> or forensics? <laughs> I stand by what I said, Agent. <laughs> that was funny as shit. Oh. All right, so no <laughs> identification, no anything, no weapons, no nothing, other than the injuries, which were not life-threatening, and now he's just over there talking and walking like no, there's no problem whatsoever. And Thornhill's coming in. Um, do you have access to a computer with an internet connection? Uh, I, we're supposed to, but it's anybody's guess if it's up, up to speed. I mean, Great. you're more than welcome to you? try it. Excellent. Where's that? Right here, right behind the, the register. Okay. You know, he points at the desk right behind. You see there's a monitor and a, a hard drive and a keyboard. Got it. Um, I'm going to take out the phone, and I'm going to call. Um, oh, actually, I'm going to call Quantico. Could you give me a moment of privacy, if you wouldn't mind? Sure. And as you pull out your phone, he, he leaves and goes back through the employee's only door. Got it. And then at that point, mm-hmm. we see Agent Makamura pull the flap open on the tent. As he pulls the flap back, Ichimaru, you see inside a cold weather sleeping bag with a roll underneath. You see a few layers of clothes off to the side and you see a camping backpack inside there as well. Makamura, do you want to grab that sack for us? <laughs> oh, you know me too well. We do karaoke later. <laughs> he reaches in and he grabs the sack <laughs> and pulls it out. After See, you. Kind of, yeah, so I'll do a quick search of it and uh, potentially, hopefully, we'll find some sort of uh, flashlight or something that will help us out in this situation. Yeah, and as you're going through the backpack, you see typical things cold weather socks, long johns. You see some cold weather cooking utensils, you know, where they have the the pan that opens up into a plate and it's got the spork and all that other, it's got the foon and all that shit. (laughs) The foon. (laughs) And it has two chem lights in there that have yet to be cracked. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll grab those and, um, well, I actually had one to Makamura. And then I will take one. I go, who goes first? Makamura cracks his. You see the area within about a 10-foot radius begin to illuminate around you. They're very bright. Okay. Um, seems like they're brighter than a typical one. Very high-end, not these 50-cent ones you buy at the swap meet. And he starts 
turning in it with his arm outstretched just to try to get an idea of his immediate surroundings. It turns in a clockwise manner. And you see about two feet away, you see a makeshift fire pit. And he keeps turning. And then you see these dark, dark splotches on the ground. They almost look like a giant ring where the center is is more white than the exterior. And as he's looking at it, his, his face kind of gets a little slack and he realizes it, it looks like blood. Okay. Well, apparently we, we know that this was where the last victim was killed. So the sight of blood shouldn't be too, uh, too crazy to see at this site. Um, no. Real quick, Handler. Um, what I was also listening to episode one today of Under a Pale Moon. That's right. And Ichi had mentioned that he took the tire iron and handed, uh, I believe, well, we had, there were some flares in the car. Road flares, yeah. Yes. yes. And so, you know, we were talking about each having one of those. Each. So I still would have one of those on me, correct? That would be correct. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that, it, you know, I didn't want to like without this flare and it's like hey where'd that come from yeah and i think in game time you guys have probably been at the cabin maybe an hour yeah maybe the ranger station yeah so <laughs> yeah the rangers <laughs> didn't have the cabin <laughs> that was that was uh last things last that's it that's true <laughs> so yeah so I, if we were at the we cabin break... we would have gone through that entire bottle of woodford by now <laughs> yeah that's right Dude, drank all the whiskey. Sorry, Handler. Go for it. So he he gets down lower, and he, he's looking at it, and you could see that this, it's like a 15-foot radius of spray, most definitely an arterial-type spray. And it seems like it, it ranges out at least 10 feet from center. And he's looking around. I don't know. This is where the last victim was was that correct yes that's true yes from my from what i've heard yes i wish i could help you more but this is not my forte no mine tell me what you want to do while you're here well i will take a look at the pools of blood also i mean it's been outdoors and windy and snowy but if this was the last location of agent kramer maybe we can see some tracks going somewhere uh, first, we'll look at the blood, and then I will use my ranger skills <laughs> after that and see if there's any sort of tracks that would still be around after a day of elements on it. Okay. Yeah, and it hasn't snowed, so for the most part, the the crime scene is still in good condition. Okay, because I have good criminology, so maybe by looking at, would that also affect with blood splatters and sprays and give me any kind of information yeah that I do or, know or forensics or a search yeah, oh, or alertness that's forensics yeah. yeah do i have i don't have forensics though okay actually i have 30 in forensics as oh great with the, oh makamura makamura <laughs> 41 no he does not see nothing <laughs> well does this uh spray to you makamura look like something that's from a blade this wouldn't be from a 
uh, gunshot wound or anything like that. This looks no. like. But the look at the way that the blood goes, it's it's like in a 360 degree. It's it's all over the floor. It's not just in one direction. Like somebody, like the, the target got spun. Sounds like they got their throat slit from behind and spun around or something like that. Yes, definitely. Uh, I don't know, perhaps. Martin! Martin, where are you? We can't leave him out here. Well, we can't really go stumbling through the woods in the night under a pale moon and hope have any hopes of finding him. I say we try the horn again, and then maybe we can go out searching a little bit. But I, there, I would like to look for maybe, uh, out of character here, uh, is there any sort of footprints that lead off into the woods anywhere that I could look for? Yeah, describe for me what you want to do. So each and like you, will... what's your intelligence too? I mean, remember I, I had mentioned last time, like if you if you have something that sounds legitimate and you have intelligence or, or something that you think that that particular skill would work towards, then use that that larger number to. Okay, well, my to... intelligence is just you know ten average, uh, but what I would like to do is. Look but that's for... actually fifty, though. Yeah, so I would like to look for footprints that lead not necessarily into the camp. I'm not looking to see if Macklemore actually came in and killed the person. I'm looking to see if someone had went off in any direction Got previously. It. So that's what I would like to look for. Okay. Makamura, let's see if we can find any footprints for Agent Kramer. That will help us out. And then potentially, if there's any way that we can take the snowmobile in that direction, we can also do that. But I really don't think that we should be going on foot, wasting fuel and energy as well as our body energy. Oh you know in a random search i concur wholeheartedly 50 58 nope <laughs> i actually got a 16. oh excellent makamura so he's flips on i'm assuming we already flipped on the light so he's looking around at the ground and he notices that there appears to be some kind of indentations in the hard snow off to the left. And he says, each look over there. There looks to be footprints, something divots in the ground. Well, if we're, we're if we're looking to find him, we better get moving because it's not going to get any warmer until about 12 hours from now. <laughs> so you guys follow these footprints? Yeah, he, I'll have him be leading the way since he has the cracked light stick okay and, uh, so he's got the stick in his hand and you see that he actually pulls out his weapon his service weapon with his other hand you see the light starts to to shake a little shimmer you can definitely tell he's got a very apprehensive you guys go exhale. about 20 oh. exhale and oh. don't clench up oh. you will stay warmer that way he goes about 20 meters and you could see even from the from behind him by the illumination of this chem stick there's a mound on the ground looks like it's a human he looks i can't go any further martin you stay hey, there i'll go check it out 
he stays back. He's kind of like hand on his knees, breathing. As you get closer, you notice it is an agent. You could tell by the, the blue parka, the blue pants, the FBI. Only his entire front of his jacket is torn open. His chest cavity is ripped out. Everything inside is gone. And you notice he has four deep lacerations on his throat. It, it wasn't even vertical. It was 100% horizontal at this time. And you see that it stems from the right ear going across the throat. That works, uh, works out with what I've seen before. And you see maybe two feet away from him, his service weapon in the snow. I was just going to ask, uh, no, no offense to the dead, but I want to search the body for the weapon. And it's there I'll in the snow. I'll go to the weapon. It's there. You see it's a P226 Sig Sauer service auto. I will pick it up uh, immediately and uh, make sure that it's functional. It is functional. Was anything, anything, uh, any weapon, or sorry, any uh, of the bullets uh, shot? Or is the is the magazine full? Was it? Is there one in the chamber? Or what? Tell me what you do. Uh, I would do that. Okay. I will. Check so you pull the, the you pull the mag check out. The, you yeah, check, check the, the chamber. You see, there's one in the chamber. You pull the mag out, and you see that one round is missing. Okay. And as you're looking at it, you notice there seems to be like something on the forward sight like a coarse looking string of some type like hair possibly i will i will look at it it looks I, to I be god i was going to say i'll go over to makamura and i'll let him know that agent kramer is dead uh his weapon was fired once <sighs> oh. focus focus my friend <sighs> I need Who to see. What did this is going to pay? Well, when we please hold out your light stick. <laughs> please hold out your light. There's Martin something on said the end that of his to me. <laughs> He holds out his his chem light. I will see. Try to determine what's on the end of the the weapon. As you look at it, you see that there's six coarse-looking hairs attached to the forward sight, almost as though it was pressed against something when it went off. And whatever came off with the pullback of the slide came off with a forward sight. Makamura, it appears that though Agent Kramer fell, he did not go without a fight. Do you have uh, search? Um, no, I don't. Makamura looks at the at the service weapon. May I see it for a minute each? Absolutely. And he looks at it, he's like, there's something in the barrel. And he puts his finger in there and he pulls it back and he shows it to you. He's, Look, there's blood in the barrel. I would, I would think so. It looked, appears that he put the muzzle of the weapon to whatever attacked him and but fired. But this means that whoever got shot is wounded. Yes. Agent Ramirez... <laughs> Ranger Muha has something to tell you. I don't think Makamura is who he says. Look at this. And he's, he's leading you up the hallway and he opens up the door to the storage room. The bodies have been moved. 
So as we walk in and you just feel it's still super cold in there, It's right? still super Frigid. cold, yeah. So we look over to those three tables in the middle and that's what he's saying? Yeah, he's saying that, that the bodies have been moved around, messed with. What do you mean by mess with? And I believe that he did something it. to the bodies to change whatever the evidence would show. Now, we came in here and did a, a investigation of our own. We did look at these bodies. We uncovered them. Is that what you're saying? And Ramirez I think is, he came yeah. in here after you boys mm -hmm. were in here, though. So compared to with what Ramirez had seen earlier with Ichi, is that, does that track? It's, it's different than what we saw? Well, they're still covered right now. Like, you guys had recovered the bodies. Interesting. Um, all right. Uh, Ramirez is going to go over there and look at them and try to confirm what's different. Yeah, and as, you, as you're going over there to look at that, you hear this loud crash, like glass or something breaking way off in the distance, way down the hallway from where you guys came from. Muha looks back that way. And he closes the door with you both in it. Mm-hmm. And you see him begin to shake. <sighs> you hear his bones begin to crackle and snap. <laughs> you see saliva begin to drool from his mouth. And you see him just start to pull his clothes off. And oh, hell yeah. Should have left well enough alone, agent. And I'll see you next session. Hey, Hold it! <laughs> <laughs>